Join us now for Health for Life, brought to you by Hamilton Healthcare System. Today, we're talking with Dr. Nancy Carnavale of Anna Shaw Children's Institute in Dalton. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Carnavale. Thank you for having me. Dr. Carnavale is a board-certified developmental behavioral pediatrician and the medical director of Anna Shaw Children's Institute, located at 1201 Burleson Road behind Hamilton Medical Center in Dalton, Georgia. She, Dr. Brandt, and Dr. Anderson specialize in attention disorders, autism spectrum disorders, developmental challenges, and more. Dr. Carnavale graduated from Assumption College in Worcester, Massachusetts, attended medical school at Brown University in Rhode Island, and completed her residency in pediatrics at the University of Connecticut. She also completed her fellowship at Brown University and is board certified in neurodevelopmental disabilities. While practicing pediatric medicine and serving as an assistant professor, she found her passion in treating children with complex disorders. Since 1997, she has cared for children with developmental delays, as well as provided guidance to their families. Dr. Carnavale, how long have you been with Hamilton? I joined Anna Shaw Children's Institute when it opened up about a year and a half ago. What do you like to do in your spare time? Well, I've spent most of my spare time in my life raising four wonderful kids. Wow. Um, now that they're gone, I'm catching up on all the reading I've always wanted to do. I'm a big <laughs> reader. And since we moved from the flat hotlands of Florida, we are actually enjoying hiking in these beautiful North Georgia mountains. Where in Florida were you? Tampa, Florida. Tampa, yes. Uh, my parents are in Lakeland. Oh, not that far. Okay. Yeah, Lakeland Mulberry, uh, Plant mm-hmm. City, yep. that area. That, that is, uh, even though that's not right at the water, that's a beautiful part of Florida. It's pretty, right. Yeah, very nice. Uh, why did you choose to become a doctor? Uh, interestingly enough, I went to college actually to become a social worker. And in my during my internships during in social work, I wanted something just a little bit more concrete, more tangible, more fixable. So I went to medical school. And then it turned out that after I went to medical school, I chose this field, at which point there is a lot of uh, social work involved. Wow. So. That is something. It's a nice combination. Yeah, sound, it sounds very good. Now, what's your favorite part of your job? What's your favorite thing to do? Well, first of all, I have a great job because I play with children all day. Mm. But it really what I enjoy is I really enjoy talking to the kids and just asking them questions and getting a child's insight on many different things. Now, once you get once you're able to get to talking to the child and get the trust of that child, they just open up. Correct. Correct. And, and they are they're they're honest and they're funny. Oh, I love that. I love that. It is true. Uh, Tell me about the Anna Shaw Children's Institute. What's it like over there? So Anna Shaw Children's Institute is dedicated to the memory of Anna Sue Shaw, and it's a regional leader in the care of children from birth to age 11 who have developmental delays. The Institute began in the spring of 2019, but actually the planning started way before that. They had Anna Shaw Children's Institute Advisory Council who helped to start up the um, center. Uh, the building is just beautiful. It was inspired by the style of a treehouse and reflects actually the beauty of these North Georgia mountains. Isn't that great? It, it's gorgeous. That is great, it's, yes. Uh, once inside, you know, you see the tree and you see the children and the families and providers, and we're all working together to try to provide good care 
to these children. Um, so the Institute's team includes me. There's another developmental pediatrician. There's a child psychologist. There's physical therapist, occupational therapist, speech therapist, feeding therapist, wow. music therapist, and behavior analyst. So, And we provide those therapies. So there's physical therapy and occupational therapy. We have feeding therapy, speech therapy, music therapy. We have uh, individual counseling, family counseling, and behavior support. So we can do evaluations, cognitive evaluations, psychological evaluations, autism evaluations. And we also have a great treatment navigator, an employee of the Institute who helps support families and helps them um, through navigate through these right. processes. Very important. Wow, that is wonderful that all that is available to families here in our community. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of the special services that are offered at Anna Shaw Children's Institute and some of the helpful back-to-school strategies. Caring like a family, fighting like an army. Hamilton Healthcare System is here for you. Armed with a love for our community, advanced care, and personalized service, our commitment to serve with compassion stands strong in this season of uncertainty. You are the heart of all we do. Visit us at HamiltonHealth.com for timely health information and updates. And we're back. And uh, tell me about some of the specific things that go on over there. So we provide several therapies. There is what they call ABA therapy, which is applied behavioral analysis. That's a, the standard of treatment for children with autism. Mm -hmm. We do autism evaluations. We provide regular behavior therapy, behavior management, parent um, behavioral training. Uh, we do developmental evaluations for children who come in with all types of developmental delays and some and, and difficult behavior sometimes. Uh, we provide family therapy. We provide group therapy. The, the children get together in a group and learn how to socialize, how to carry on a conversation, how to get along with each other. So back and forth conversations. Correct. Very Correct. important. Correct. And as they grow older, that'll become more important. Correct. Yes. Um, they, um, Dr. Anderson does individual therapy. He does assessments to try to figure out why they're struggling in school. That might inc include a cognitive assessment, assessing for a learning problem. Uh, it, the therapist also provide um, other therapies, including aquatic therapy, assistive technology. So for children who are struggling with with speech, they, they have augmentative communication devices. Um, feeding therapy for children who are struggling with feeding. Mm -hmm. uh, sensory integration for sensory processing issues. Uh, occupational therapy. Uh, physical therapy, music therapy, and, of course, speech and language therapy. Now, aquatic therapy, what is that? That sounds like something with water. Correct. We have a, basically, it is like a small pool where the children, especially with a motor issue, can go in and learn to strengthen their muscles. Oh, that's fantastic. It is great. That is, is wonderful, great. yes. We're also lucky enough to have a navigator, and she provides one-on-one -on -one assistance with resources and support for parents as they try to start on this journey to obtain the best care for their child. And she can help um, 
refer to certain agencies. She can help to refer to to behavioral intervention places. She provides care coordination. She knows the community support services. She knows camps for the children. She can provide uh, educational support. And we do have an educational liaison who actually works and collaborates with the school systems and may help the parents understand their IEP and act as a liaison to the school. Um, the uh, the navigator also helps parents kind of navigate the places to look for financial assistance, right. for legal assistance, and helps to provide transition support because we stop seeing these children around 11 and they need to transition to other care. Okay. At 11, whenever you stop seeing them, there is other help. Correct. And yes. we need to make sure that they get into that proper help. Gotcha. Of course, it's back to school time now. And well, I'll tell you, it looks different this year. Uh, how can we help our children be prepared for back to school? So the first thing to remember is just to be positive. You know, so typically in the past, it's interesting, we kind of go back to school thinking, oh, summer's over, we're all have this gloom <laughs> yes. and doom. I have to say one thing about this year. This year, people, the kids really want to go back to school and parents are ready for oh, their kids to go back to school. It, yes. So I think... Remember, our attitudes as parents reflect to our children. Our children reflect what how we feel. So I think the first thing is just to start off with a positive attitude. Say, you know what, this is going to be a good year. We're going to learn a lot. And just to be positive to start off with. You have a positive attitude. Correct. To, to when they go into school. Uh, what are some good tips for a successful school year? Um, I think the big thing for parents is to get involved. You know, so they have the schools that are more successful are the schools that have more parent involvement. Mm -hmm. The children who are more successful are the children who have their parents involved in their work. So involvement's really critical. And it's, again, looks a little different this year because we have a viral pandemic. So they may not be able to get into the schools, like being the, the homeroom mom anymore. But it's still important that parents really support the teachers. The teachers are going to have a tough time this year, and they need that support. Gotcha. Um, another thing is, I always tell parents, remember to reward effort. It's not so important what grade you get. Get. I don't. If you get an A, but you didn't have to work for it, that's eh, that's a, that's that's something. But if you get a C and you really had to work for it, that's more important. Right. So if we think of, of effort as being the most important thing, that is helpful for parents. Um, the other thing is to help parents see the or help our children see the big picture. You know, if you failed a world history test that you studied hard for and it just didn't go right, it's not the end of the world. <laughs> mm-hmm. So and no one's going to look at that 10 years from now. But, it, you know, kids sometimes just get so wrapped up in that and parents do. So see the bigger picture, kind of relax, allow kids to make mistakes. You know, they may forget to bring their folder. And you know, it happened to me several times that I'd see that folder I get back from dropping them off at school and I'd see that folder on the counter what do uh, I do yeah, <laughs> do sure. I bring it to them or I allow them to suffer the consequences and kids have to learn that kind of thing well that's so, tough though it is tough that's tough it's on t- moms it's tough dads. On mom. <laughs> correct yes. correct but they need to get through mistakes they need to see our mistakes you know no one's perfect so let them see what we do like, you know what I messed up I forgot to bring that to work so it's okay we're all going to make mistakes Another thing is just to have balance. So, you know, we 
school is a big part of things, and we want to reinforce all those good habits. But we also need to have a social life. We also need to have, keep our bodies healthy and fit. So remember balance as we okay. get into the new school year. Gotcha. And then the other thing is just being a good role model. You know, children who come from homes where they see their parents reading and their parents doing work are more likely to role model that behavior. Good. All great, great advice. Now, what about sleep? Sleep is important. A lot of times, moms and dads will let the kids stay up late in the summertime, and now you got to get back on a schedule. What's that? Uh, what's that like? So, sleep is important because when children are don't have sleep, they are irritable and grouchy, and they don't learn as well. So, they need to get back on a schedule. The big thing about being on a schedule is to wake up the same time every day. So it's easy to let them for, for, for uh, sleep in on a weekend, but that's going to th- put havoc in their schedule. So you want to wake up the same time every day. You want to have a sleep routine. You want to turn off electronics at least an hour before bedtime because that's otherwise that's in their head. Don't have a TV in the child's room. Okay? Now that's important. <laughs> that's very and important. And so many parents do that. The, correct. Kids Kids want a TV in their room, Correct. but that's not the best idea. Correct. Absolutely. So we need to, for parents to understand that that is not helping their sleep. It's not helping their academics. They shouldn't have a TV in their room. And, you know, even kids who are reading reading before bed, you know, so I tell the kids, okay, it's okay to read before bed, but, you know, sometimes you have to stop those, even those exciting books. I used to have to take the book away from my daughter, you know, at 930 <laughs> at night because yes. it was, you know, as much as you don't want to stop their reading, they can't be reading exciting books. Keep the house cool, keep the house quiet, uh, turn on some white noise, and those are things to help them get into a routine. What is, those are great tips. What about mornings? I know getting ready for school and getting out the door sometimes can be tricky. Right. And the most important thing to remember is that morning does set the tone for the whole day. I mean, you, you and I go through the same thing. If we have a bad morning, we go to school and we're in, we go to work and we're in a grouchy move. And the same thing for, for all of us, for the kids, for us. So morning setting up off, getting off to a positive morning is very important. So trying to anticipate and do as much as you can the night before, get that ba- those backpacks backed up, put them near the door, put um, Um, getting your clothes set out so you know what you're going to wear if that's going to be a choice, having a little checklist as to what needs to be done for the child, wake up, brush your teeth, eat breakfast, don't turn the TV on unless the child is totally ready and you have extra time. Um, And that, again, having that positive routine has helped set the tone for the day. Yeah, it seems like I keep hearing you talk about routines. Routines are very important, correct? Correct. Absolutely. Why is a routine so important? Well, all children, and especially those children with ADHD or other conditions that we may treat at Anna Shaw, thrive on routines that make them feel safe, secure, happy, and they just need that kind of schedule. It just is predictable. So we always have kind of, again, a good morning routine, really a good dinner routine for everybody, families that, that eat together and have a scheduled family dinner, again, do better, have yeah, better I outcomes. Yeah, I think that's so important. It is very important. And then you have to have a bedtime routine. So that all settles down. But routine is very important. Now, you mentioned ADHD. What other conditions do you treat at Anna Shaw Children's Institute? 
So we provide evaluations and, and diagnosis and ongoing care for all children from, from birth to age 11 who may have developmental delays or behavior associated with those developmental delays. So that may cl- include attention problems, autism, behavioral issues that result from your developmental delays. Children who have difficulties with language, for example, end up throwing temper tantrums. Uh, all types of chronic illnesses, genetic disorders, epilepsy. We have a NICU follow-up clinic, so we see the, the, a lot of the premature babies who are setups for having both behavioral attention and learning problems, right. diabetes, asthma, cancer, um, difficulties with, uh, with learning problems, difficulties with, intel- with uh, your cognitive ability, habit disorders, learning problems, all types of motor skills, and, of course, kids who also have visual and hearing impairments. Got you. Sounds good. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back in just a moment. We're going to talk about COVID-19 concerns. If you're in need of medical care, don't delay. Your health won't wait. Hamilton Medical Center is ready to care for you. We are following CDC guidelines. Patients and guests are screened for COVID-19 symptoms. Those who are suspected to have the virus are treated in a separate area. Plus, Hamilton's high-powered UV light robots eliminate 99.9% of bacteria and viruses on surfaces. Please do not delay medical care. Your health won't wait. As always, Hamilton is here for you. Okay, let's talk about COVID-19. What would you say to someone who is putting off having their child seen at Anna Shaw Children's Institute because they're worried about the coronavirus? I would tell them that Hamilton Healthcare System has done a great job putting measures in place to to keep both staff and patients safe. When uh, patients come in, they're greeted by a staff member who takes their temperature, screens them for COVID-19 symptoms. We follow the CDC guidelines and have many processes in place to help. We, we wear face masks on a regular basis. We have protective equipment for all t- for the whole team. Wow. We have um, social distancing. We have sanitizing stations throughout the facilities. And we're very good at staggering appointments so that we don't have children in the waiting room for any length of time. That's great. That's fantastic. Uh, you know, that, that's so good to hear. Let's switch gears and talk about learning differences. So I think we all need to understand that we learn differently. We, um, we have strengths and weaknesses. Some of us are very good, like for in my family, we're all math people, but not necessarily good at writing or language. There are some people who are good at reading and language, but not necessarily good at math. So we have strengths and weaknesses. There are people who are very good at sports. There are people who are very good at music. And we have to accept that in our children, help them where they are are weak, but also really kind of build to their strengths and just understand how we all work. Now, does memory play a part in this? Yes. um, And memory is really important for school and for life in general. Um, And kids with attention issues and uh, just in general, there may be uh, there. People can have difficulties with memory. So there's two types of memory. One is short term memory. And remember, we can only remember three or four things and maybe even less for a child who has ADHD. So when we send a child upstairs to get their backpack, their sweater, and their shoes, they may come back down with one of them. And it's not because they were being 
um, they were being obstinate or that they got distracted, they truly just cannot remember that many things. So it's important to understand that a child may not remember uh, what you said. And uh, there's something called a rule of three where to get their attention, you really need to get their eye contact. You need to give one simple direction and you have them repeat back. And that they'll follow their routine and the direction better. And once they get into the habit of that, that the, goes back to what you were saying earlier in the show, the, the, again, the habit of that, or a routine, correct, that correct. routine. Okay. Correct. Yeah. Routine, you know, using post-it notes, put little notes to yourself, use checklist, use technology, calculators, spell check. Um, you can use a mantra approach. I used to tell my son, okay, as you're going up the stairs, keep saying shoes, 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 so that he would remember to get his <laughs> and shoes. And he got his shoes. That's good. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And um, we also have uh, what's called long-term memory, so long-term retrieval. And we remember things better when we put them in a category. So if you can, when I, if I were to ask you, name as many girls' names as you can in the next 30 seconds. If you have an organization to your brain, if you think, okay, I'm going to think about my family or if I'm going to think about my classroom, it helps you to organize your thoughts. Gotcha. So kind of categorization helps. Um, other things, uh, spelling, you have to know the rules of spelling, I before E and less after C. Mnemonics. Mnemonics are important, and we forget how important mnemonics are. Mnemonics are 30 days, has September, April, June, and November. Right. And I still use that I now. I do too, <laughs> so, yes. And, but children sometimes don't realize the importance of learning those, and they don't want to learn something extra. But that mnemonic is what will take you through life. So I always tell parents to teach their children mnemonics, go on the web, find mnemonics, and it will help them retain information. Those are some helpful study tips. I also share a couple of other strategies with my patients that I think have been helpful. Okay. Um, What works well for studying is to kind of look at things ahead of time, get a general gist as to what you're learning, and then you kind of review it, and then you study it, and then you try to retrieve it by quiz, by taking a a practice test. So Mm -hmm. if you're in high school and college, middle school sometimes, and you can get your hands on an old test, that's the best way. That active learning helps you to truly learn. Um, and for and quiz, you know, for parents, it's okay to quiz your child, you know. So parent, kids often want that, and part of it is to stay engaged, but it really helps them to learn. So when the parent, when your child turns to you and say, "Hey, can you quiz me on these spelling words?" It's very good. It's good for parent-child interaction, and it's also good a good way to help them learn. So. Um, quizzing your child, again, taking practice tests. Sometimes if they're really struggling with um, the overview, have them like look at the movie, read if there's a movie about it, look at the film. It's okay to look at the film. Get an idea of what it's about. Get an idea of what the characters look like. Yeah, we're like. talking about like if, if it's a book they're supposed to be Correct. reading. Correct. Uh, they read the book, then they look at the movie. Right. And that's great. And that just gives them an idea and puts it in their head if they're struggling with the concept of And a lot of, of things, things change in the movie, and that gives them a chance to talk about it. Correct. Yes. And really compare mm-hmm. things. That's, I think that's a very good right. idea. 
And, yeah. and so, so that's okay. Sometimes reading a synopsis before you look at the book, because some of these books, you now you start to do high school books, they're hard. Right. Um, you teach, so brainstorming, you know, I can't write this. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to write. Brainstorm with it. Let, let them just talk it out. Okay, let's just write some notes. Okay, what are you thinking about? And that all, having them even dictate some notes to the parents would be helpful in learning some of those kind of things. Um, uh, context clues. Context clues are important. Context clues are uh, the boy was lethargic, comma, he fell asleep. Well, a lot of people don't know what lethargic means, but if you read on and said he fell asleep, you will understand the context. So kids need to learn how to use context clues in order to broaden their vocabulary. Makes sense. Makes sense. Sure. Games are a great way to educate kids, you know, so I wish I could have more parents turn off the TV and just play some basic games with children. And you can do the games to help with spelling, like Scrabble. You can uh, do games to help processing. So the headbands game, guess what Guess what this is? Is this an animal? Pictionary. And those outbursts, they all help with, like, word retrieval. Um, Simon. Simon's a game of on the computer where you have to repeat a series of sounds and lights. Silly steps. I, I tell the parents to use this one. Um, make it fun. They have a little three-year-old, and they're trying to build up their sequencing. Go into the kitchen and put a spoon on your head and come back into the room. It's just fun little things to kind of make them improve their memory. Um, Games like I'm going on a picnic. You know, the first person says I'm going on a picnic and I'm going to bring something that begins with an A, an apple or anchovies. The next person says something with a B. I'm going to bring an apple and a banana. And they continue that. And that we helps. did that growing up <laughs> right. for hours. Right. Yes, a right. C and a D. Uh, we did that. You know, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. It's fun and it improves your memory. Good. It improves your sequencing. Good. So those are the games we're trying to get the kids to play. That's so useful. When we come back from this short break, we're going to talk a little about ADHD and the treatments available. Caring like a family, fighting like an army. Hamilton Healthcare System is here for you. Armed with a love for our community, advanced care, and personalized service, our commitment to serve with compassion stands strong in this season of uncertainty. You are the heart of all we do. Visit us at HamiltonHealth.com for timely health information and updates. You mentioned ADHD earlier. What are some key components of this condition? So with ADHD, we have to remember kids not only have difficulties paying attention, but they also have difficulties planning and organizing their work and thinking about the future. So we need to help them with organization. Are there things that we can do to help our children with or without ADHD to become more organized? Yes, there's lots of things we can do. You just want to keep things simple. Get rid of the clutter, trade out toys, put some toys in a box, put them away, take them out and trade take them out a couple of weeks later, tra- trade them out. Teach basics of organization at a young age. Put the socks in the sock drawer, put your shirts in the sh- shirt drawer. So they don't need to have complex skills, but just the basics. Put toys in bins role model organization, and start kids with chores at a young age. Put away silverware, put out the napkins, and let them have that responsibility from a very young age. What about time management? Uh, You know, that could be tricky even for an adult. Correct. 
correct. Um, you want to give warnings about how much time is available. So let them know five more minutes, four more minutes, three more minutes. Show them a clock sometimes. Practice how long it takes to do something. A lot of times kids will say, I'm going in the shower and I'll be out in two minutes. Well, they're in there for 10 minutes. Set a clock. Let them realize how long they need to take a shower. And put clocks around the house so they can keep looking to see what time it is. Homework. How can parents help kids when it comes to homework? So the, the important things with homework is to try to have, again, a schedule. Try to keep it at the same time each day. Have the homework spots stocked with supplies. Ask teachers how you will know about the homework because sometimes parents don't know what the child had to do. Is there going to be what's the communication between teacher and child and parent to know what the homework is? Um, help them set up a plan. We're going to start with reading, take a break. Then we're going to do math, take a break. Use some behavior charts to motivate your child. Remember how to get it, um, coming up with a plan to get it back to school. Are we going to put it in a folder? Are we going to uh, uh, leave it in the book? Are we going to ha- um, we're going to fax it to the teacher? Right. We're going to email it to the teacher. How are we going to get that homework back to school so the child doesn't lose credit for not for doing work and then not getting it back to school? Um, make sure the child has enough time to write down homework, sometimes taking a picture. That's the new thing. A lot of the kids are taking a picture of the board. Uh, use a study buddy. Call somebody if you forgot what the homework was. Um, ask teachers what what they you should expect for homework time. And kind of a rule of thumb is 10 minutes per grade. So if you're in first grade, 10 minutes should be about what you need to do. If you're in second grade, 20 minutes. Uh, again, have a homework time or routine. Um, sometimes having a board where you have a visual, a whiteboard, this is what's due on this particular day. Um, and then again, try to make it fun with your child. Try to quiz them. Try to make up, um, make some silly voices. Try to form letters with your body. Get outdoors. Throw a basket and study at the same time. Also practice empathy. You know, it's it's okay to kind of get some more insight. I know this is hard for you. How can I help you? Why don't you look for an example? What should I? What what can I do to help you? So they they um, they ask for help and know when to maybe take a break before they have a homework meltdown. Um, giving breaks as needed and help your child get started. Wow! Thank you so much. That was great advice. If you can leave our listeners with one word or advice about the back-to-school season, what would that be? I think the biggest thing is just to work together with your child. Help them, help make it fun, and work together. For more information about Anna Shaw Children's Institute, call 706-226-8900 or visit hamiltonhealth.com slash children. For an appointment at the Institute, Please ask your child's pediatrician for a referral. This program in no way seeks to diagnose or treat illness or to replace professional medical care. Please see your health care provider if you have a health problem. Thank you for listening to Health for Life, a presentation of Hamilton Healthcare System.